This is the Clean Soul Podcast, and I'm Dennis Curtis. Today's podcast is titled, An Extraordinary Kingdom. We need to understand some things about God's kingdom and the kingdom's principles. An earthly kingdom is a good way to start to understand God's kingdom. For example, you have a king. He has a country. It has borders. There's land, natural resources, and of course, people, subjects to the kingdom. Within the borders, you have laws and you have requirements that the king has established in order that there might be harmony, civility, unity, and prosperity. If someone steps out of line and begins to disobey the king's commands, then the king will judge that person and punish them as necessary. Also, if somebody does something good, the king will see that and also reward them. He does this in order to bring harmony and civility into the land. After Jesus was baptized in water and with the Holy Spirit, he was tested in the desert by Satan's temptations. Satan wanted Jesus to get outside of God's commands to sin against God. But after the victory Jesus had over Satan's temptations, first on his agenda was the kingdom of heaven. Listen to what he says in Matthew 1.17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this verse is full. It's a very small verse, but it is full of meaning. Number one, Jesus preaches. That means Jesus is demanding our attention. Number two, he tells us to repent. Now, repentance gets a really bad rap nowadays, but it simply means to change the way that we think, and in this case, about God and his commandments. The third point is because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're told to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is available. And especially now, after Jesus has preached and uh, brought his kingdom upon the earth through his death and resurrection, the kingdom is now available to you and me. That means that the authority and the power of God has come, and we can be subjects in that kingdom through the new birth. A member of the Jewish ruling council by the name of Nicodemus, came to Jesus in secret at night, and he confessed to Jesus, Now we know that you're a teacher of God. How did he know this? Because of the miracles and because of the godly teaching. Jesus, without hesitation or beating around the bush, went straight to the point with Nicodemus. He said in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see or perceive the kingdom of God unless he is born again or born from above. And then we'll skip down to verse 5 and 6. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless that person is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. We have two births here, one of the flesh and one of the spirit. We all are born of the flesh. That's pretty easy to understand. Uh, I have three children. I was in the room when all three of them were born. I understand what it is to be born of the flesh. But when we're born of the flesh, we're born dead 
in our spirit in relationship to God. God is presently calling lost people all over the world to this spirit birth so that we can enter into his kingdom and become under his rule and get out from the dominion of Satan. Now, I'd like to discuss just a little small nuance here. We have the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of God. For the most part, they are synonymous. But I believe there is a slight difference, and I want to just talk about that for a second. First off, Matthew is the only one that uses the kingdom of heaven as well as the kingdom of God. All other New Testament authors only use the kingdom of God. The difference is that the kingdom of heaven is God's rule and his reign in heaven, in his dwelling place. This is a place. It's his throne room. We know it is heaven. Uh, it's described in Revelation. Isaiah saw it. Ezekiel saw it. Paul, it, uh, from what I understand, he also saw it. He went up to the third heaven. So there is a place, and this kingdom of heaven is God's place, and his perfect will is obeyed. And all of the people there, all of the angels and, and creatures that he has, and all those who are dead in Christ, or I should say alive in Christ, they are submitted to his will in the kingdom of heaven. He's the king with sovereign power and authority. The kingdom of God is an extension of the power and the authority to those who are born of the Spirit here on earth. It is no less powerful, it's no less effective, but it only extends to those who are born again and submitted to His Word and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So Matthew 10, 13 through 16 People were bringing little children to Jesus for them to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. Wouldn't you like to be that person who the Lord placed his hands on and blessed them? What an amazing thing. Well, there you have it. In order to receive the kingdom of God, we have to be like little children. Simply believe what we're told. And this brings me back to my childhood when my parents told me that there was such a thing as Santa Claus. They told me these little stories. I even saw TV shows about him, read books about him. Santa Claus, to me, was the real deal. Later, I found out that he wasn't. But we have to take that little child belief and trust God and believe he is who he says he is. Now, God is who he says he is, and I don't want to go down that rabbit trail right now. All we have to do is look at creation and see his magnificent work. We simply have to trust that this good news that Jesus has brought to us is God's kingdom now available. Jesus teaches extensively about the kingdom of God. This kingdom is the focus of of eternal life. 
God's dwelling place. It's the only place that God's perfect rule and reign is obeyed. This may sound like some sort of dictatorial kingship or unhealthy authority, but it's not. God is good, and God is reaching out to us in the midst of this uh, ugly and evil world, and he's trying to call us into that spiritual place where we can obey him, the kingdom of God. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what we have to do is we have to get God's word into our mind and begin to test his will. We know that loving and forgiveness We know that righteousness and justice is right. We all have that understanding. But as we get closer and closer to the Lord, we test and see that His will is good. It's perfect. It's a good place to be obedient to the Lord. Whether we like it or not, God's ways are perfect. And once we get to know them and approve of them, we will see that they're full of grace and mercy, love and truth and justice. The opposite of what this world gives us. This world gives us gossip and hate, unforgiveness, murder, slander, rebellion, power grabbing. I'm going through a thing right now at work where there's some power grabbing going on. And uh, I'm a little bit older. I look at these younger people and I think, what are you thinking? This little bit of power that you're grabbing right now from these other people is going to be just nothing in no time. Matthew 12, 28. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus begins to reveal the kingdom of God in power, spiritual power, and spiritual authority over Satan and this evil world. He is displaying his power to rescue us from Satan's authority and power from Satan's dominion. Just like God brought Israel out of slavery from Egypt, he is bringing us out of the slavery of sin. So this is an invasion of the wicked world. God has come to the earth to teach us and free us from this slavery to sin and the blindness to his goodness and bring us into the freedom that only God has. His original purpose was the Garden of Eden, intimate fellowship in a paradise. And that is what we have to look forward to, with God in heaven forever. The work of Christ continues through his church, the true believers. That means that we have Christ in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we are to do the same things that Jesus did while he was on the earth. The word church in Greek is ekklesia, and it means called out assembly. That means that we are called out from the world, and we are to assemble together in unity before the Lord, and bless the Lord, and be a light in our world. It's an important point, uh, and I want to make it very clear that God is not working through political means and he's not working through military power. Now, 
Does he have a part in that? Absolutely, he does. But his main purpose, because God is spirit, he is working in the spirit realm, and he is looking for those who are willing to accept his terms and join his kingdom. John 18.36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So when we see people persecuted and suffering, we know that God is working in the spirit realm, and he is developing maturity, and he is developing patience in us when there's tough times. And in that, we become more and more like Christ, and our reward is in heaven, or when Jesus appears, if we're on the earth, when he returns. So now I want to get into the parables uh, in Matthew, just a couple of them. And I can't, uh, you know, read all of the parables, but I want to read some strategic ones and talk about them a little bit, because we are talking about the kingdom of God here on earth. Let's start with Matthew 12, 24, the parable of the weeds. A man plants a field of wheat, which uh, later he discovers that weeds are in his wheat field. He realizes an enemy has sown the weeds in his field. But he doesn't want to uproot the weeds because it might damage the wheat. So the weeds grow with the wheat. While uh, until the harvest time. And when the harvest time comes, then the weeds are pulled up and burned. Later, after this parable, and that was a that was a paraphrase of the parable, Jesus' disciples come to him and they want an explanation of this parable. So I'll read that, Matthew 13, 37 through 43. The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is pretty comprehensive. God is calling, saving, and maturing people to be obedient in his kingdom, while Satan is leading people in a lie to rebel against God. The outcome for the rebellious is a blazing furnace. It's the lake of fire. But we who are obedient to God and living in his kingdom will be with him forever and ever, living in paradise with an intimate relationship with the Father. Remember, that intimate relationship starts now. Are you busy? Are you running your kids here and there and taking care of your spouse and house details and all that stuff? That's all good and fine. But remember, your intimate relationship has to be the first priority in your life. And hopefully you're married uh, to a spouse that is a Christian 
and they understand this, and you guys can work it out. And of course, family family devotions are very important when you have children to lead them to the Lord. Next, we have the parable of the mustard seed and of leaven. And leaven here is yeast. Matthew 13, 31 through 33. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in the field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through the whole batch of dough. What do we understand about the kingdom? It starts very small, a mustard seed, and becomes very big and invasive. It's taking over, and it's part of everything in our life. If you uh, look up a mustard uh, tree, it's actually just a huge bush, uh, and you do a little bit of research on it, you find out that it's very invasive. It's like the yeast in the dough. You put that little bit of yeast in there, you let it set for a little while, it grows, you uh, knead it again, it grows a little bit more, and pretty soon it's throughout the dough. So is the kingdom of God. It starts very small, but it gets bigger and bigger and it takes over. Very important because I want the kingdom of God to be number one in my life. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. We have two short parables, the hidden treasure and the pearl. Here we go. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So Jesus likens the kingdom of God to a treasure, the most important thing in our life. And when we find it, it becomes the most important thing that we want to seek and that we want to work with and use and enjoy. We have no higher priority than the kingdom of God. And, you know, think about it just for a minute. If there is other things in your life that are of a higher priority, God wants you to discover the treasure of his kingdom, the treasure of this precious pearl, and go after it with all that you have. So important. Last one we'll look at is the parable of the net in Matthew 13, 47 through 50. I'll read it now. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up and moved it on to the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad ones away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Oh my goodness, these are strong words. Weeping and gnashing of teeth, blazing fire. God is calling us to his kingdom because his kingdom is a good place where he takes care of us for eternity. Incredible. The net is the gospel, and some people give it full attention, and some people just give it lip service and don't really pay attention. Those who are born again and live in obedience enjoy the kingdom forever. Those who reject God's goodness end up in the lake of fire. Luke twelve thirty two through 34 Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief can come near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The kingdom of God. Where is the kingdom of God in our life? I'm thinking about it right now. I want it to be first place. God told us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. That's the first and the greatest commandment. And then we're to love other people as ourselves. So now listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and do what he is doing. Follow God and be the hands and the feet of Christ and build for yourself this treasure in heaven. I hope this has developed an appetite in you so that you would go out and learn a little bit more about the kingdom of God, because that's where we're going to be for eternity. This has been the Clean Soul Podcast with Dennis Curtis. If you have questions or comments, visit me at thecleansoul.org.